Welcome to the Salvation Army's Behind the Shield. Each week, we'll be bringing you conversations about the mission of the Salvation Army right here in East Tennessee. For more information about the show and the work the Salvation Army is doing here in Knoxville, Tennessee, visit SalvationArmySoundcast.org forward slash BTS. Or you can visit SalvationArmyKnoxville.org. Also joining us is the official co-host of Behind the Shield. Who are you? Oh, I'm Janine Eckhart. <laughs> so we've got a great show lined up for you today. Not David elusive. Crocker's in the house. Major Cam is here too. So let's get on with this episode of Behind the Shield right now. Thank you for introducing yourself. I was not expecting you to let me introduce myself. I know. I, I actually usually it that you way. don't. I planned it that way. I thought it was. I thought it'd be fun. Of course. <clears throat> so welcome again. You saw her checking her phone, didn't you? Oh my you goodness! To see if she was ready. Okay. That's very much like um, someone when you go to lunch wow. with a group of people, and someone immediately puts a French fry or something in their mouth. That's who you ask to pray over the That's meal. That's exactly right. <laughs> I'm glad that we're doing this with both of you. Yeah, yeah. But hey, you know what? I'm proud of you. For being ready to say your name, kind of. <laughs> for being able to say my name. You did good. You did Thank good. Thank you so much. All right. Well, anyway, so as I said, uh, we do have a guest with us today, so I'm going to have to ask, you know, to keep the hijinks, you know, down to a minimum. Yeah, you're asking me. <laughs> I know. Okay. <clears throat> Major Cameron Henderson is here, is here to my left. Also over to my right, our special guest today is David Crocker. He is the author of Compassionaries, Unleashing the Power of Serving. And he's also the founder, and are you still president of Operation Inasmuch? No, the biggest title I have there is author in residence, but okay. uh, I sometimes refer to myself as the uh, the founder. But uh, no, we have another uh, uh, director who, okay. who's doing the day-to-day stuff. Okay. Well, for those folks out there, now, I, I mentioned we'd talked a little bit off air, and uh, I had heard of Operation Inasmuch. I was raised a PK, and so uh, that was kind of something that I heard, but I didn't know much about it. And so I'm, I would love for you to take some time and just share a little bit about Operation Inasmuch, how it started, what it does. Please. Sure. Thank you for the opportunity to be here yes, and sir. to share with you and everybody who's listening this yep. Monday morning, afternoon, excuse me. <laughs> uh, so um, the concept of Operation Inasmuch began in a military community with a church that I was serving as pastor in North Carolina. Okay. And uh, the name comes from uh, the fact that everything in the military community is called Operation This, That, or The Other. Right. And the inasmuch, of course, comes from Matthew twenty five forty, the King James Version, inasmuch as you've done it to the least of these. Yeah. And it is simply a model of getting church folk out into the community, their community, to minister to people in need every way you can think of. Amen. We developed that in that church. We had no other models to follow and had no idea that there would be such a demand and need for it uh, in other churches and in many, many other communities. You fast forward to uh, the early 2000s, I moved to Knoxville, brought the idea with me, shared it with uh, my church there in the Fountain City area, and then other churches picked it up. In 07, uh, founded Operation Inasmuch, Inc. as a self um organized, self-sustaining uh, nonprofit, mm-hmm. and um, we've had the opportunity to work with churches in 25 states and four countries. Mm-hmm. 
So God has really used yeah. this model to bless an awful lot of people. I can't begin to tell you how many. Wow. And, of course, it's extremely gratifying to me personally to uh, have been a part of that journey and still still a part of it, though in a, a more limited basis. Yeah. Well, that uh, that military um, model or style, I guess, um, we can relate to that somehow here at the Salvation Army. So, <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> um, so we can certainly relate to that part of it, but also the serving aspect. Uh, is something we relate to here, which was the whole reason why I asked you to come and join us. Because uh, someone that devotes themselves to service in that way, I mean, that's that needs to be. We need to hear more about that. And uh, you mentioned that earlier that we need more of that. Absolutely. Um, what's happened for me personally is that this this journey of now about twenty seven, twenty eight years um, has uh, deepened my knowledge and passion for serving. Yeah. Uh, probably more passion than knowledge. But hopefully uh, I'm closing the gap there. But it was really that accumulation of those experiences uh, that led me to write the book. And now I consider myself somewhat of a one-man crusade to try to help people see the priority of serving Mm. everywhere, all the time. I really believe sincerely that God has given us serving as a way to make a difference in our world. And quite frankly, to heal a lot of the hurts, yeah. not just people in need, the homeless, the hungry, uh, the disabled, and, and others you could name, but really ordinary people yeah. uh, really need to be both on the giving and the receiving end of serving. It just makes a difference. Yeah. When you introduce this to your people, how did they respond to it? Fear at first, anxiety, I don't want to, let's find a new pastor. Um <laughs> Um, but th- how did they respond maybe initially? Because if, if another pastor or, or a lay leader or just a parishioner in a church hears this saying, yeah, I love that, um, how did they respond? And and how did you work through that? Can you go back in history a little bit? You've now have done, introduced it twice, right? Right. So. Well, so uh, there are really a couple of different answers. Uh, I was the new pastor in the church in North Carolina, and uh, we were looking for a way to revitalize the church and make a difference in the community and fortunately, that was a church with a history of uh, when a new idea is introduced, they don't say, we never did it that way before. Uh, unique church, to say right. the least. Yeah. Uh, but they said, how can we do it? Mm. And jumped on board, and uh, gosh, it was so successful. The people said, let's do it again and again wow. and again. And 27 years later, they're still doing it. Praise God. Oh. And it has changed the church for sure. Yeah. Uh, and somewhat the community around it. Now, when I came here to Knoxville and was being interviewed by the church for the position of pastor, I said to them, and this is the truth, you have no choice. If you call me as pastor, you will do this. Yeah. And so they kind of knew up front, that's the deal. Yeah. And uh, they bought into it, and um, they're still doing it too. Great. Wow. wow. That's pretty. Uh, but there were there are some people. Let me just quickly say there are some people who who sort of stand at arm's length, and so that's why we developed and honed that model in such a way as to really target what I call the eighty percenters. Mm-hmm. That's the eighty percent in any church that is quite happy to have the twenty percent do all the work. Right. That's right. right. And so we do certain things within that model to get those folks engaged. Uh, a lot of them have never done compassion ministry in any way. And so we create such a, a major event and make it so exciting 
that they want to be involved in it. And lo and behold, once they do it, they like it. Amen. And so uh, it, it kind of develops a life of its own at that point. They begin to discover, wait a minute, I think we may have been created for something like this. Yeah. Lo and behold. Wow. Yeah, the light dawns. Not to be sarcastic, because you just don't know until right. all of a sudden, like, I've finally discovered something that fulfills me yeah. and hopefully helps others around them in the church. Praise God. Right. Well, thank you so much for, for kind of catching us up on, on Operation In As Much, because uh, I know I wasn't uh, I wasn't as educated on it as I, I really probably should have been, uh, to be honest. But you were never my pastor, so I wasn't... <laughs> <laughs> I didn't have I didn't have the opportunity to actually take part in it, um, but uh, but I I love the fact from Matthew twenty five. Wow, have you read that? Mm. <laughs> My point, I, the program. Okay, I'm talking oh, about the program, not right, serving. Sorry, yes, <laughs> okay, so anyway, not, that's enough out of you. So <laughs> keep going. <laughs> so, uh, but thank you for for kind of catching us up on that. Um, there does need to be more of that yeah. uh, serving one another. I think somewhere along the lines, our our society, at least our culture socially, got kind of mixed up when we turned the camera around. We used to take pictures of things and other people, and then all of a sudden we turned the camera around and a new term was created, selfie, and it's all about self. It's all about what I look like and what kind of facade can I put out there. It's less about serving. And I found personally, in my personal life, that when I had an opportunity to serve someone, it caused me to forget about the things that I was anxious about before. And I might have had legitimate things, legitimate concerns, but I would at least be able to, to for some reason, get outside that uh, when I served someone else. And so uh, I've, I love that you actually created a program that churches use and model and still are still using. Now, you mentioned something uh, at, at our Rotary meeting uh, a couple weeks ago that you, the um, Ukraine you organized, uh, not you personally, but, you know, your, your organization organized an outreach to the Ukraine. Tell us a little bit about that just, just briefly. Well, one of the things we do is sort of a sideline. It's not our primary focus, but mm-hmm. we do it whenever we can, is work with primarily churches or sometimes businesses or civic clubs to yeah. conduct food packing events. Okay. And uh, we felt like that was something we could do to make a difference in the situation that uh, we were all hearing about on a daily basis, hourly basis, uh, back in the earlier part of uh, 2022, about uh, the people in Ukraine fleeing their country because of the war. And so we said we want to put on a major food packing event and send the food to feed those people Mm -hmm. uh, in Ukraine or Poland or wherever they happen to be. Yeah. So we did a food packing event for 275,000 meals. We had 980 people involved, did it at the Expo Center. Wow. Um, None of the people there had to pay anything to be a part of it. We raised all of the money for it. And uh, the best part was we uh, ran across um, an organization that would take the finished product and get it to Ukraine or Mm. Poland, as the case may be. Yeah. Uh, free of charge wow. to us, and that was that was huge because the logistics and the cost of that are just prohibitive. Yeah. But but God worked it out. He put mm-hmm. on our hearts. We have something in our hands that we can make a difference with to respond to this uh, immediate need that we're all hearing about, but we feel so separated from because of the distance and circumstances. And it's it's just a a microcosm 
of what the whole concept of serving is, and yeah. that is recognize a need around you, whether it's in an individual or a family or a community, whatever whatever it is, just recognize the need. Just keep your eyes open. I love the story about Jesus' uh, feet being washed by the woman at Simon the Pharisee's home. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You may remember that they, of course, challenged him about that. And Jesus' response to them is interesting. He said, do you see this woman? They did not see her. Oh, yeah. They saw her body, but they didn't see her. Right. And Jesus then explained why she was loving on him, if I could use a contemporary term, the way she was, because she had already received God's grace, Mm -hmm. and she was demonstrating her gratitude for that grace and what she was doing for Jesus. Mm -hmm. And and he essentially said, that's why this woman's doing what she's doing. Well, they did not see the need. Jesus did, Mm -hmm. and that's what made the difference. And so what we encourage people to do is simply keep your eyes open. There are needs all around us. They're not necessarily the most conspicuous ones. They may right. be, but they may be inconspicuous, and yet they're needs. Um, so one of the characteristics of a compassionary mm-hmm. is simply being able to see a need. Right. And by the way, I would say the first characteristic is humility. Mm. Okay. When I started writing a chapter in the book about, okay, what, is it, what does it mean to be a compassionary? What sort of characteristics uh, are there in a person who functions like a compassionary? Mm-hmm. I first thought, well, compassion, right? Yeah. But the more I thought about it, the more I realized, no, humility mm-hmm. is the most in, uh, important characteristic and starting point. It's the ability to see beyond yourself, to care about those that are outside of yourself. And yes, that's counterintuitive yeah. to our culture today. Mm-hmm. All the more reason to talk about serving and what it takes to do that. Yeah. Wow, that's fantastic. Well, you mentioned the book, David. Uh, we're going to come back in another segment and talk about the book, how they can get a hold of it. Um, there, The website I found for you guys was davidwcrocker.com. Uh, is there another website that, that people should go to to learn more about Operation In As Much? Yes, the, um, the site you've cited is one that I set up just to promote uh, the book and make resources sure. pertaining to that available. Mm-hmm. The primary website for Operation In As Much is simply Operation In As Much, all one word, lowercase, mm-hmm. dot org. Mm. Okay. And you can find out pretty much anything you need to about the ministry uh, at that site. Okay. Fantastic. Operation In As Much dot O-R-G. Correct. Fantastic. Please uh, go and visit that website. Find out more about Operation In As Much and, um, and, and become a compassionary. We'll talk more about that term and about David's book uh, later in the show. Uh, right now, we are going to have to go to a break, though. Uh, if you'd like uh, to get more information on, uh, on our guests, please feel free to give us a call here at 865-525-9401. And you can always visit our website at SalvationArmyKnoxville.org. All right, we'll be back in just a little bit. We're going to get a devotion from the good Major, Major Cameron Henderson, and uh, and then we'll talk more about to David Crocker about his book, where you can get it, because I know everybody is waiting on bated breath right now. So don't go anywhere. We'll be right back with more Behind the Shield. Hi, and welcome back to the Salvation Army's Behind the Shield. We are sitting here with Major Cameron Henderson, and he has our devotion for today. And so we're going to turn it over to him 
We are eager to hear from the Word of God. I'm just enjoying um, this interview, um, this conversation with uh, David. Um, what a blessing it is. So we're so glad to have you in the studio with us. And um, it caused me to um, think a different direction for my thought today. And, and I want to stay on this this scripture of Matthew 25. Um, it's an important scripture to us in in the church. It's an important scripture to us as disciples of Christ. You know, who are we and what have you asked us to do and, and to be? And um, and sometimes we can get bogged down with, he asked us to come to church on Sunday. Mm-hmm. He asked us to read our Bible more. He asked us to try hard to stop doing that sin, you know, <laughs> yeah. that, that stuff. Yeah. And um, and we forget a very poignant moment. I don't know, I shouldn't say we forget, but maybe we don't always return to a very poignant moment where he said, this is it. Mm-hmm. Um, over the Christmas season, we had, um, uh, obviously it was very cold over the Christmas holidays. It was very yeah. cold right before that, and then right after that, um, um, it wasn't cold, and it became very, very wet yeah. <laughs> in three of our buildings. Yeah. Um, pipes burst everywhere. Yeah. Um, all three of our buildings, um, the third floor uh, where our, our ladies stay, and um, a massive flooding, which trickled to the second floor, which trickled to the first floor, and all into the offices. Yeah. And then uh, in our gym, um, the gym looked like Niagara Falls. The other ones didn't quite look like that, but we couldn't see them. The gym was exposed, and um, it looked like Niagara Falls, and the whole building was was flooded. Yeah. And then, you know, in 30-minute increments, as it thaws, mm-hmm. we got, uh, Major Henderson, we got another one. <laughs> and, and, and and then over at the, at the, in the men's uh, shelter, third floor, mm-hmm. whatever else, and just trickling down. And it was just a mess. And um, some of us were running around all over the place, and others, like me, were scratching their heads saying, I have no idea what to do. Yeah. <laughs> but the situation was urgent. It was like, right now, we have to do something. <laughs> so we're making yeah. calls, we're bringing in trash cans, but you know, what are you going to do? But it was, it was obvious something had to be done right then, and so we did everything we could trying to find where all the turnoff valves were and all that stuff, and we all became plumbers in about five seconds. And <laughs> Um, God helped us and we had some people come in, you know, you know, soon after to begin the cleanup and we're almost finished with it now. Um, but that critical situation and, and, um, the comments, um, we've been talking about speaks to those who are in urgent situations, those who are in desperate need, whether they're on the streets and we pass them and say, man, what, what's going on with that person? Mm -hmm. Um, or whether there's someone next to you in the in the line at the at the grocery store, or whatever, and you can just see despair in in his or her eyes. Yeah. Um, you know, you you you'll run across people who are in urgent and critical situations, and this that we're talking about this this um, work of of being compassionaries, um, yeah. it, it speaks of an urgency. Yeah. Um, if we if we really think about it, in Matthew twenty five. Jesus speaks of this. He, he says, in, uh, starting in verse 31, I'm just going to read a piece of it. He says, When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, he will sit on his glorious throne and all the nations will be gathered before him. He will separate the people one from another as shepherd separates sheep from the goats, separating them. He'll put the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. 
And then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my kingdom, take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world, because I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. I needed clothes, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you looked after me. I was in prison, and you came to visit me. And then the righteous will is are are uh, confused, mm-hmm. scratching their head. Yeah. Said they answered him, Lord, when did we see you hungry or feed and feed you or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see us you as a stranger and invite you in, needed clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and and go visit you? Verily I say unto you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did it for me. And when we're serving others, we're serving Christ. When we're serving yeah. others who are in just a great need of all different types, um, we're serving Christ yeah. himself. And the urgency of that is what I want to talk about for just a moment. And it is an urgent situation for those who are in need. How helpful would we be if we said, I see you starving. I'll be back in a week. Let me think about that. Mm-hmm. How helpful would we be? We see someone in great despair and say, goodness, um, I, I'll pray for you, and uh, maybe I'll see you in the register tomorrow, and we'll just carry on a conversation, you know, mm-hmm. um, uh, those kinds of things. How how helpful would we be if we don't help now right. in some way? Um, how can we? How urgent, urgent it is for those who are in need. But I'll also say it's urgent for the Lord. He, these are his children. Mm-hmm. He loves them. He loves us, and sometimes we're the ones in need that somebody's reaching out to help. So it's urgent for the Lord. And where I feel like he's pointing to us believers, do something. Do something. Um, Why do you think I have you there? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, how easy it could have been to say, Lord, forgive me for my sins and save me. And he says, great, I'll pull you right up here with me. And just begin collection of all the people who have said that prayer or or, or turned their heart to the Lord, but he left us here for a reason. Mm -hmm. Um, What is that reason? Uh, And he speaks about it. He tells us the great commandment. The great commandment, they've they've asked Jesus. They're trying to trick him. They're always trying to trick him. But his answers are so wise because they not only answer them, but they answer us nowadays. And he says, love God and love your neighbor. Love God, the greatest commandments. Love God and love your neighbor. Mm-hmm. It is urgent. Yeah. It's urgent for us to love God with all our heart, soul, and mind, and strength. Yeah. It's urgent for us to love our neighbor as ourself. Amen. If, if we're starving, we go find something to eat. Right. If, if um, we're in despair, we go find someone to talk to. So love your neighbor as yourself. John Wesley's concept was perfect love. And it was based on that, the Holy Spirit changing us into God's image, changing us into his heart that had perfect love for God and perfect love for our neighbor. So it's urgent for the Lord, but it's also, I would say, urgent for me and you. It's Mm -hmm. urgent for us. Um, My heart and your heart needs to serve. The church needs to serve. Mm Mm-hmm. I was reminded by a friend of mine um, of Mildred Winecoop. Um, she wrote a book called, um, uh, oh goodness, what's it called? Uh, let me try to remember here. Uh, but anyway, she wrote a, a book called, Oh, The Theology of Love. 
back in 1972. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was re-released um, more recently, 15, something like that, 2015. Um, but in that um, is this uh, quote. She said this, uh, because it's urgent for us, right? Congregations which have been exposed to great preaching and high religious challenge and feeling. So congregations which have been exposed to great preaching and high religious challenge and feeling, but which do not gear that feeling into the work of Christian ministry in the lives of people about it, become indifferent, cold, isolated, and withdrawn. I believe she was quoting Wesley in that as well, but yeah. Mildred Weinkoop, um, she's touted as the one who brought love instead of the law of holiness. Right. The law of holiness. Congregations exposed to great preaching, high religious challenge and feeling, but they don't gear themselves uh, and gear that feeling into the work of Christian ministry in the lives of people about it. They become indifferent, cold, isolated, and withdrawn. So this serving of others is urgent for us. The church needs this. Our own hearts need it. And the community, the Christian church community that you're part of um, needs that too. It's also urgent for us because Christ goes on to speak more about this. There's kind of an or else right. in this message. Um, and the or else comes in verse 46. Uh, 45, 46, whatever in there. And he says to the others, um, you did not do these things. Um, 41 says, let me back up. Depart from me, you who are cursed into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. I was hungry and you didn't help me. I was thirsty and you didn't help me. I was a stranger, you didn't help me. I needed all these things. Uh, I was sick and in prison. You didn't help me. You didn't look after me. You weren't a, a, a friend to me. When did we do that? When you didn't do it for one of the least of these, you didn't do it for me, and then they will go away to eternal punishment. So this is urgent. Right. This is real. Absolutely. This isn't just, hey, if you're a Christian, you want to do a little bit more. This is the Lord saying, this is how you prove you're a follower of mine. Yeah. Do what I do. What if we refuse? And ignoring God's instruction, Jesus' word is refusing, Right. Go away to eternal punishment. But there's a reward. It doesn't end like that. The reward is that this, the righteous go to eternal life. The reward is for those who obey him and serve their neighbor and care for others. And there's a way to do that. But the reward is for those who serve and care for their neighbors. And it's eternal life with the king. Eternal life in the kingdom. Eternal life in perfect fellowship. Eternal life in perfect love with God and with others. And that's the reward. That's what he calls us to, invites us to. God bless you. As you hear his command, and as you obey him, you trust him to show you, you trust his help and his protection, and you go and just obey him like a child. Right? Right. God bless you. We'll be right back. (music) 
Hi, and welcome back to more of the Salvation Army's Behind the Shield. I hope you're having a a great day. You know what we are, certainly, because we've been sitting around talking with David Crocker. He is the uh, the founder of Operation Inasmuch, a, a huge service program organization. Um, I hope <laughs> I said that run classify that right. Uh, but he's also the author of a of, of a book called Compassionaries: Unleashing the Power of Serving. And we want to talk to you a little bit about that book. David. So if you would share with us a little bit, kind of, obviously, we don't want to want you to do a whole reading or anything, but but just tell us a little bit about that book and what people can find in it. Sure. Uh, Again, I appreciate the opportunity to be with you and Mm -hmm. to share with uh, your listeners uh, this message about the priority of serving. Uh, The book really, for me, came out of uh, an accumulation of years of knowledge and passion for serving as a result of being in, in the in as much ministry, right. uh, talking with people on almost a daily basis about how they could serve effectively. And, you know, you do anything long enough, and it becomes a part of who you are, and that yeah. certainly is what's happened for me. And uh, just a year ago, I just – the idea hit me. I think it came from God. Uh, you, need to, you need to put some of this stuff on paper. And what happened was – which often happens, by the way, I can say as a former pastor, um, when we're led to preach on something, it's sometimes for our benefit oh, as yeah. much for the congregation. Absolutely. And so the same thing happened with the writing of the book. There were discoveries made by me in uh, the writing of it, the research about various aspects of serving yeah. that I really had never contemplated. And so it was exciting to me to put down on paper yeah. uh, some new some new thoughts uh, about that. Um if I may, uh, I try to lead out uh, to to emphasize the um, the role of faith and our relationship with God and and how that impacts mm-hmm. our desire to serve and the effectiveness of our serving. Uh, in one of the early chapters, I talk about the highest calling. I did not share this with Rotary, by the way. <laughs> uh, you'll recognize, but um, so I, I saw the incident of Jesus washing the disciples' feet in a completely different way than I'd ever seen it before. As a pastor, I had preached on it a number of times. Mm -hmm. Obviously, as we had communion or Lord's Supper, uh, often made references to uh, the context in which the foot washing took place. But what I did was to step back a little bit and look at the entire context. And There were so many things going on in that upper room. I don't have time to enumerate or describe all of them. One is the disciples, I believe, came to that upper room thinking Jesus was about to establish the kingdom he had been talking about. Based on probable misunderstanding of that kingdom still, but nevertheless, uh, Jesus was on a collision course with his enemies, Mm -hmm. uh, and they knew it. They all knew it. Um, And yet, uh, I think the disciples came with the expectation Okay, Jesus is going to tell us how he's going to deal with his enemies. And by the way, make this world a safer place for us as well, because yeah. being associated with him was not a safe thing right. at that True. point in time. But the, the the primary piece of that context was Jesus' own knowledge that his ministry was drawing to a close. Mm-hmm. Uh, John 13 says so in the opening verses of that chapter. Uh, knowing that things were about to come to a close, this is what he did. Yeah. Guess what? He didn't give them any new teaching. He didn't perform any miracles. What he did was to take off his outer garment, mm-hmm. wrap himself with a towel, fill a basin with water, and one by one wash their feet. Wow. 
of all of the things he could have said or done at that very, very critical moment, literally hours before he was arrested and then soon to be crucified, he served them. Yeah. And he said to them, what I've done for you, you should do for one another. I'm convinced with my whole being that Jesus elevated serving to the highest calling. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm also convinced that one of the reasons he did that is any of us can do it. Yeah. Amen. We don't have to have special training or experiences in life or a certain level of intelligence or any of the other qualities we might identify. You just have to have um, a willingness to do it, yeah. uh, to get outside of yourself and show another person or other people that you care about them. Yeah. And Jesus said, that's one of the most important things you can do. Yeah. I found yeah. on your website, which again is davidwcrocker.com, um, a study guide. And in that study guide, one of the questions speaks about that calling. And you talk about in there that people would have a calling or a purpose from God, whether they believe in God or not. Can you talk about that just a minute? Because you're talking about um, God has elevated service. God has given us a purpose and a ministry. Um, whether they believe in God or not, they have a purpose from God? My conviction is that everyone understands at some level that purpose is a very important thing. Uh, a lot of people suffer because they feel they don't have any purpose. They're kind of wandering uh, here and there, and their life is not focused, or they haven't. They don't believe they have found their purpose, yeah. and so um, they experience uh, some, uh, maybe some sadness or loss of direction in their life as a result of that. So everybody, I think, has some sense that that they were put in this world for a reason. Yeah. They may not know what it is. Blessed are those who do know what it is. And my conviction is that one purpose that is universal is serving. And one of the reasons I say that is I've become convinced that God hardwired us to serve. Mm-hmm. One of the things I discovered in the writing of the book is that there are literally uh, hormonal changes that take place in the human brain when we serve others. Mm-hmm. We've all heard of the runner's high. Yeah the endorphins that we uh, get when we exercise heavily and we feel good as a result of it, well, guess what? There's a helper's high, too. I love it. Absolutely. And, and the same chemical reactions, the same brain activity that comes with a runner's high comes with a helper's high. And so I'm convinced that biologically God has put us together in such a way that it creates a sense of joy and fulfillment and satisfaction uh, when we serve others that we can't get any other way. Uh, that indicates to me that we all have a purpose uh, in serving. Now, I would go on and say, if there are any listeners who are saying, well, gosh, I really wish I, I knew what my purpose was. Let me just give you a really quick answer to that. Look around and see what has produced pain in your life. And my guess is that you will find your purpose connected with one or more of those pains. Wow. That's just the way it happens. Uh, if I'm a person who um, has experienced homelessness and uh, am somehow, with the help of Salvation Army or some other wonderful organization, able to get out of that condition, mm-hmm. um, I want to minister to people who are homeless because I know what it feels like. That's the kind of thing I'm talking about. 
can I put you on the spot a little bit? And it may be something that you haven't uh, gone that far. So, but I love this thought. One of the things that we're hoping to do this spring is opening a, a drug and alcohol recovery program modeled after really successful ones in Salvation Armies all around the country, but we don't have one here. Um, one of the things that I feel like needs to be included in that is a way of not only worship, because uh, it is Christ-centered uh, recovery, but also uh, service. I thought that naturally as a pastor myself, but are you saying or have you seen any indication that those same endorphins or that, for lack of a better term, that high um, could um, overcome, we're not talking about science here, but just um, could overcome some of those same highs that they, an addict might, an addict might uh, be able to pull from and say, you know what, this is better than that or can replace that. I'm putting you on the spot. I don't know if that was in the book or not, but just, just curious because that is something in our future. Situation. Actually, that's one of the things that I have discovered since the writing of the book, and it may be another book at some point in time, mm-hmm. and that is that uh, addictions, which tend to be so destructive mm-hmm. for people who are uh, in those circumstances – um, can find serving as one of the ways to get out of that situation. Yeah. Uh, one of the things it does, instead of a high, I would I would say it enhances their self esteem. Okay. The people that I know, and I don't know a lot, honestly, but the people I know who have struggled with addiction have very low self esteem. They know they have messed up. They know that life can be better, but they seem to lack the 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 strength uh, to avoid those circumstances that continue to pull them down. And they have told me, they have shared with me that um, serving is one of the things that makes a difference. Mm. If I could just go back to the Ukraine food pack, we Mm -hmm. talked about a little bit earlier. My favorite group of all 980 people who came and worked to Ukraine Mm -hmm. were uh, some people who came uh, who have been homeless and very much dependent on the community and the organizations within the community to help them. They were brought as a group and formed a team around one table. I, I found myself continuing to go back to that table and talk to them because it made such an impression on me. If these people can, from their circumstances, come and serve, and they were clearly having a good time, mm-hmm. they enjoyed what they were doing, then uh, anyone can do it. Yeah. Uh, but more importantly, uh, hopefully that carry through for a period of time for them and gave them a sense of satisfaction and value mm-hmm. that they may not have had for a while. So yes, absolutely. I'm convinced that serving has the, is part of the power of serving to lift us up, not just so that we feel better. That's true, but we actually are better Amen. and we know that and that's okay to feel that way. Yeah. Wesley, uh, John Wesley, we're of the Salvation Army is from the Wesleyan movement. Um, um, and uh, Wesley uh, would, way before his time in psychology, would have recognized that our doing begins to change our mind and our heart. Now, that's all God's work, but our doing is, is a handoff to the change in our heart and our mind. I love that. Praise the Lord. A lot Thank of people you. don't realize uh, how compassionate John Wesley was and what a difference he made in how much of his resources and himself he gave to that and tried to encourage others to do the same. That's not what he's generally known for, but it's there. If you look at his life, it's there.
All right. Well, we're going to have to go to a break. Um, uh, just we're having a great conversation, and I absolutely love this. But we are going to be back with a little bit more uh, here in just a little bit. Uh, you actually shared a story, David, uh, at Rotary, and uh, it illustrated service and a personal illustration. I want to have you share that with us in our final segment coming up here in just a little bit after the break. So don't go anywhere. We'll be right back with more with David Crocker and Major Cameron Henderson here on Behind the Shield. And welcome back to the Salvation Army's Behind the Shield. We have been talking with David Crocker. He is the founder of Operation Inasmuch, and he's also the author of Compassionaries, Unleashing the Power of Serving. And uh, he's uh, actually, we've been talking a great deal about the book in the last segment. And uh, I asked him about a story that he told with our Rotary group. And if you wouldn't mind, uh, share that story really quickly, because I thought it was a great illustration. Well, that that was uh, an off the cuff kind of thing right there. Yeah. But um, so uh, I I tend to be one of those people who's on the getting end of serving, mm-hmm. not that often, and I'm not very good, quite frankly, at receiving. Right. We had an incident a couple of weeks ago when one of our little puppies, Shih Tzu puppies, um, got out during mm-hmm. a storm, and she was gone. Yeah. I mean, gone. We had no <laughs> idea where she was. My wife was totally frantic about it. We we did an all out search. What really impressed me was how many of our neighbors, at least half a dozen of our neighbors, got out in the rain, in the storm, helping us look for the puppy. Mm-hmm. Now, it has a good ending. Yeah. We, we, uh, a good person found her and, and got her back to us. Yeah. But I will never forget how many of those neighbors um, took time out of their day. They certainly inconvenienced themselves, uh, to say the least, to, to go out. And, and, and we just realized, wow, we live in a good neighborhood. Yeah. And so... Um, that's a that's a that's a good feeling. Yeah, good feeling. Absolutely. One of the, uh, if I can um, ask you about something that um, I I really am exploring myself, um, challenged by and and becoming passionate about it too. And you speak about it again. Back to uh, the resources I found on that w, David W Crocker dot com. Um, it's a it's a session to help you. I, I imagine it's to help maybe a church ministry talk through some of these things. Um, but on, in session four, you begin to talk about, I don't, I don't want to use the right, the wrong words, but being careful not to help, not to serve someone too much or, uh, yeah, just something along those lines. And, and, um, and it's hard. You want to help people. And at the same time, what can they do for themselves? What part of my serving might be getting in their way? Um, talk about, could you talk about that just to, for a, for a moment? Well, the first thing I would say is that a lot of our instances of serving are spontaneous uh, at the moment. Right. Uh, it's difficult to do much more in those circumstances than simply respond as best we can to the need. Now, we can put thought into that ahead of time and, uh, for example, choose not to give money. There are those who have policies, and I talk in the book about organizations that have policies about not giving money to people because – um, they may do something that is not good for themselves um, with that money. Uh, so we don't want to enable people with uh, some destructive ways they may have going on. Um, but um, I really think what it amounts to is um, whenever possible, and it's probably possible more often than we realize, uh, engaging with a person to find out more about what their needs are beneath the surface. You may have a presenting need, but there may be other needs beneath the surface or causes 
uh, and addressing the causes. And it takes a pretty good commitment on the part of someone who is trying to serve that person to um, help them identify those causes and work through them so that they do not continue to have the need. Mm. But the main thing, I think, is to show value to the person by saying, you know, you can help yourself. I'm here to work with you, to, to help you as best I can. But it's really going to be good for you if you can help yourself. Let's see if we can't work together on this. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, a good example of that is um, a church I served as an interim pastor have has a food uh, program. And uh, they require the people who receive food on a regular basis to participate in the sorting of the food, picking it up from the supplier and sorting it out for all of the participants. Uh, They have a sense of ownership. The recipients have a sense of ownership about what they're doing. And so while they're receiving food, they're also receiving a sense of value for themselves of being a part of it, not just receiving a handout, but making a difference otherwise. And now they have the blessing of serving. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Each other. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Praise God. Yeah, I love that what you said. How can we how can we um um figure this out together? I like that togetherness. I'm not just saying you can do it on your own. Come on, you do better. Because we can tend to do that. We can be very judgmental of someone in need. Um but alongside of how can I join you in in figuring that out with you. And that takes a deeper commitment mm-hmm. on the part of a person serving. And right. and that's the, the point where uh, a lot of people will kind of step back a little bit because what we really want to do, and I'm speaking generally is to help someone and then get on about our lives. We really are not looking for that deeper involvement when in fact that may be the, the real thing that is needed uh, so people need to kind of think about, do I really want to help people or am I just trying to make myself feel better? Mm-hmm. Uh, that's a that's a very important question to ask, I think, as we go about trying to serve others. Good. Well, praise the Lord. Amen. Well, thank you so much, David, uh, for, for coming out and telling us, sharing with us today uh, about Operation Inasmuch, about your book. Uh, I would love for people to be able to go get a copy of your book. Where can they find that? Well, of course, it's available on Amazon. A lot of people can go that direction. Um, however, it's also available on our website, mm-hmm. uh, davidwcrocker.com. Mm-hmm. Uh, what I would add to that is when we sell books that way, mm-hmm. all of the proceeds go to the end as much ministry. Okay. Not so with Amazon. Okay. <laughs> Mr. Bezos uh, demands his uh, portion of the pie. But right. uh, e- either way, people want to go. Uh, it's available both ways. Okay, fantastic. Well, please uh, go out and find out more about David Crocker, about Operation Inasmuch, and pick up a copy of his book, Compassionaries, Unleash the Power of Serving. Uh, it has been an absolute joy to have you here with us today, and uh, thank you so much for, for spending some time with us. We've absolutely enjoyed it. Uh, for all the rest of you, until next time, please go out and do the most good that you can to everyone that you meet. Thanks for listening to the Salvation Army's Behind the Shield. If you have an idea for a guest or for any questions about the show, reach out to us at ron.day at uss.salvationarmy.org. Or you can visit salvationarmysoundcast.org forward slash BTS for more information.